Ages Central Michigan Life is proud to present to you, Maroon and Bull. We're here now on Season 11, Episode 7. I'm your host and CMF Sports Editor, Mitch Fosberg. Let's talk about some CMU sports. First things first, let's take a look at the schedule for this week for CMU sports. First, CMU Volleyball coming off a weekend split with Toledo that eliminated them from Mid-American Conference Tournament contention. Uh, Sean Chase is out ill. We will have him back next week to discuss discuss the previous matches and to have him talk some CMU women's hoops uh, from going forward. So excited for him for that. Uh, CMU Volleyball home on Wednesday, November 17th. Make sure I got my dates right. My dyslexia is kind of kicking in today. Uh, their host, Eastern Michigan, at 6 p.m. at McGurk Arena. It's going to be a last match for, some, for uh, the Lions seniors that are recognized on Saturday. Uh, if you get, you get a chance, uh, come out and support the uh, Chippewas. It's their last level match of the year. And after that, CMU football on the road at 7 p.m. against Ball. Okay, folks, seriously, how are they? State. Uh, Chippewas and Cardinals kick off at 7 p.m. on ESPNU. CMU coming off a massive 52-30 to 30 win over Kent. Okay, seriously, Holly School is actually a state. Uh, Christian Boer and I wrap up the episode per usual, talking some CMU football and what the, the rest of the Mid-American Conference will look like this season. Boy, I'm a little jittery. Uh, CMU, men's and women's hoops, women's hoops, uh, coming off a pair, uh, coming off a win and a loss, uh, season opening loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, super lengthy Georgia Tech team kind of dismantled a very young Central Michigan women's basketball team. Uh, but however, the team bounced back on Sunday, earning a win at Valparaiso. We will have staff reporter Noah, Noah Wilbrook on board to talk with myself about CMU women's hoops this week. Uh, they're off for a couple days, but on Saturday, November 20th, it's Central Michigan against that school from Ann Arbor. University of Michigan rolls into McGurk Arena. Uh, before the game, uh, Crystal Bradford, Presley Hudson, and Rena Frost will have their jerseys retired. I can't think of any other three athletes off the top of my head that have not deserved but earned this honor. Uh, if you can, come out and support the team. And uh, when I also talk about that honor that all three will be receiving. CMU men's basketball. Tough road loss at Missouri. Held tight. Rough second half against DePaul. But ladies and gentlemen, last night with 2.4 seconds left, Jermaine Jackson Jr.'s layup beats the buzzer, knocks off Eastern Illinois 62-61. Uh, staff reporter Ashley Berkness and I will discuss the first two games for CMU and the keys that were that were present leading up to Eastern Illinois' game. Uh, obviously, we record most of the segments on Mondays, so I record this intro on Tuesdays. Drops on a Tuesday. Unfortunately, we can't really break down that game yet. But they're off the rest of the week, but they're taking off to play in Las Vegas in a nice little, little tournament here. Uh... Monday, Monday, November 22nd at 11 p.m., they're traveling at Las Vegas to take on the number one team in the country, Gonzaga. We'll see how that one goes. And then the next day, they play against Bellarmine to wrap up the tournament. So, yeah, let's quit wasting time here. Let's talk some CMU Women's Super, Mr. Noah Wolfram. Tuesday's game against Georgia Tech. Look, they were lengthy. They were long. They were insane. There's a reason they're one of the top 20 teams in the country. Maybe it's week 16 again this year. But 
Turn to against Valparaiso, and now here we are for Saturday matchup against Michigan. Joining me now is staff reporter Mr. Noah Wolbrook. Noah Wolbrook. I hate Mondays too, folks, don't you worry. <laughs> Noah, welcome back to the show. We're not talking soccer, which I think is kind of a bummer, but how are we feeling today? Feeling pretty good. Feeling good. Good, good, good. So I can, I'll talk about the Georgia Tech game because I was the one that was there and watching that, but yeah. Valparaiso. It's a good mid-major school. I had a friend was a pitcher in a baseball team for years. Um, 65-61, final score. Nip and Tuck, until about fourth quarter, started to pull away. Just talk to me about the first half first. What kind of struggle? Because it sounded like turnovers were a big bugaboo. So let's start there. What was Valparaiso doing? Was it a press? Was it some sort of zone defense? Like, well, what made CMU commit so many turnovers? You know, it was uh, definitely listening over the broadcast. There wasn't much talk on what kind of defense they're running. I didn't hear anything about, like, if they're pressing zone. Or, I think it what it sounded like was just a lot of silly turnovers. Not so many takeaways, but just inbounding the ball. Just uh, flub the pass. Player didn't grab it correctly. Drops it. Valparaiso runs down the opposite side of the court. It seemed like a lot of little mental mistakes. A lot, so 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 basically, a lot of mistakes you expect out of a young team. Yeah, yep. There we have it. I mean, I mean, we do come in this year. Like early on, it was going to be a bit of a struggle, but something happened that fourth quarter. Just see me out of nowhere. Uh, make sure I got these pull up. Yeah, see me looking up the second half. Second half. Uh, they're sad so far. Fourth quarter, um, oh, they shoot six to twelve from the field, two of four from three, seven from the free throw line. Finished nineteen and twenty three. They're not going to free it those down. Uh, six to twenty one from three. That's kind of a bit off for this team and identity. Then finished uh, twenty at fifty five from the floor. Obviously, my Davis got to the point where she got her thousandth point. Big congratulations to her. We'll talk about that a little bit. But outside of her, what scoring options do you see developing? For this team, because I feel that's the one thing they're missing right now. So I think one of the, uh, one of the freshmen, um, Hannah Noel. Yeah, Hannah Noel really stood out that game. Um, I didn't look at the previous like the Georgia Tech game. I I did not look at how she performed there, but she really stepped up to the plate and had some really really big shots um, to start that fourth yeah. quarter. Hannah Noel finished four eight from the floor, three of seven from three. Uh, three rebounds, 11 points. I mean, your second collegiate game on the road, we really can't ask for much more, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I think someone like that who's like a pure shooter seems like she was always open. Um, that could be a really helpful thing to have is to have another scoring option on the perimeter besides Molly Davis. And then uh, Weeks really, really showed out. She got double-double with 13 rebounds, I think, in... 14 points? 15. 15 points. Finished 5-6 on the floor and 5-7 from the free throw line. Yeah, and I mean, she was definitely had the most efficient game shooting-wise. She just was making everything, grabbing rebounds, but she got into foul trouble pretty early on in the first half, so she wasn't able to play as much. But I think if she would have, if she can kind of find her way not to get in, into so many uh, fouls, and, you know, she's playing tough defense, but at the same time, when you're putting up numbers like that, your team definitely needs you throughout that whole stretch. Right on. And then uh, the Georgia Tech game, I can ramp out this a little bit. Um, 
Let's, folks, I'm just going to be honest with you. Georgia Tech has size to spare. They started three players over six foot. Had other three players off the bench that were at least six foot or taller. Not only that, but a lot of these, the taller guards they have can shoot the rock. They absolutely bullied CMU inside, which outside of Jahari Smith, your depth's not there for your post players yet. I mean, Nico Weeks is probably a good per- look for person that can defend the four or five slot, worst case scenario. And she's about 5'11", 6 foot, but in the women's game especially, I think there's a big difference when size hits. And when you're getting back down a bully by players at about 6'3", 6'4", just laying and putting in layups and hook shots, just getting to the paint and driving in. Like, for the first game with the young squad, that can be kind of a tough break, I feel. Mm-hmm. But another young player I thought stepped up and played really well, uh, kind of surprised, uh... Make sure I got the right name here. Uh, Lisa Tessin off the bench. Yeah. She seemed like when I watched uh, I watched like the back half of that game yesterday, and I will say that she is confident when she moves on the floor in defense. Okay. And at least to me, that's what it looks like. She's you know she's rotating properly. She's taking the good steps. She's in your face when they're trying to press on full courts. She's uh, another tough Canadian. Um, I ask you this: Is it kind? Of, I think it's a cool, but it's also kind of a weird thing, too. Like, they now have three Canadians on the roster. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm all for it. Absolutely. We're, I'm from the east side of Michigan. We got the Blue Water Bridge right there. So we got all the people from Ontario coming over all the time. Right um, um, my best friend, my um, my best friend's from Sioux St. Marie. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I kind of catch that drift. But also, she's not a big hockey fan. That kind of broke my heart just a little <laughs> bit. But... No, we're, we got to talk about this matchup on Saturday, though. CMU against uh, uh, Hale, Hale to Michigan, third, uh, third, place in, third place in the East. Um, Saturday, November 20th, 1 p.m. Uh, it's a whiteout. Let's see what kind of reaction fans we get to that. Obviously, when CMU plays Michigan in anything, it's going to draw a crowd, right? Oh, yeah. But not only that, but they're going to retire the jerseys, I believe, the three of them. No, I think it was one more maybe getting there of – Crystal Bradford, yep. Presley Hudson, and Raina Frost are going to be retired like, underneath with Sue Guevara, uh, Sue Guevara's name. Just, you know, I'll ask you this, and I'll kind of get my spiel too, but, like, what does it mean just to see those three players in particular kind of, you know, get the recognition they have properly earned at this point in their careers? I think, I think it's awesome. I think it's especially cool for being a Central Michigan student having such like notable collegiate players and then just a few years after their success or even a little bit further down the line but nonetheless like being able to see all this success and what great team CMU had and great players and then them getting that recognition of you will forever be enshrined here where you played. Yeah especially those three players I mean Crystal's had a good uh, professional career Mm -hmm. Rena and Presley, I think their resume speaks for itself. If I went over every accomplishment, we'd be here for 10 minutes of what they've done, especially for this program. Yeah. And seeing that on the ranks, like, Rena was here last year, and then Presley's back here this year is just, you know, I don't think there's three other. I, I, I was just right now, the past, my time at CMU, I think, they think the list of, of student athletes who should, who have earned, not deserved, but earned this honor they're going to get on Saturday, that list is very small. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations to those three getting their jerseys retired. But Michigan coming in, um, 
That's not going to be a, that's going to be a bit of a doozy, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. But you never know. You never know. There's there's always upsets and especially with all the, the three players getting their numbers retired, that kind of environment if there's a big crowd, it could be something that the players really feed off of and they could play above their level. Hey, you know, that's 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 funny. That's one thing I love about college sports. I think football more than anything. I think you see less in basketball, but Anybody can be anybody on any given day, mm-hmm. any given Sunday, or whatever. It but, really just depends on who wants it more at this level. Absolutely. So before we sign off for this segment, Noah, anything you want to get off your chest? Congrats to Molly Davis on the thousandth point. That's really impressive. Also, uh, after the game, Coach O was talking about how she's still kind of learning to be that number one option. And, you know, she uh, one of the – she asked the team, the coach, uh, she's like, do you guys care if Molly shoots 50 more <laughs> shots this game? And they all said, no. <laughs> so, you know, she's got the green light to go, and once she finds her groove, she's going to play really well. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Heather after, came on, uh, after, after the Georgia Tech game. She kind of mentioned that, you know, Molly's confidence may not entirely be there yet. To be the number one person, like you mentioned, it's gonna get there eventually, and when it does, uh, I don't know. One of the I don't, the thing I mentioned about this team, it's with a young team like this, the infrastructure is still solid, but you know you kind of started on the ground level. Yeah. At this point, without the players you lost in the senior class, and the fact your freshman last year didn't really get to play a whole lot because of COVID, or have a very normal like, you know, preseason. Um, this is just such a young team, mm-hmm. so yeah, they're they're gonna struggle out the gate. But when they have that game and that moment where it clicks, and they start they start rolling. Watch out. Yeah. Because man, I haven't seen uh, the biggest bugaboo I think with CMU. I think the only issue you could say with Sue was her team's did not quite have the depth. They could go five six deep, but once you get past that point, you know I I don't think the I don't think the quality of the minutes you got match what you did on the starting lineup. Which the starters they had, yeah, it makes sense. Totally makes right. sense, but if this team can go eight, nine deep, at this this level that they're at, like age wise, if it's roll that end this year, then wait till next year happens. But you know, it's gonna be it's 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 honestly an exciting time for the program. It is, I think it's except for both both men's and women's right now. It's uh, definitely a different era. It is, and you know what? For this era, you can stick with us for all the coverage you need. So I wrap things up. That's Mr. Noah Wilbrock talking some semi once hoops. Noah, thanks for joining us, man. Much appreciated. Thank you. Big thanks to Noah for joining us to talk some semi women's basketball. Now let's talk some men's hoops with Miss Ashley Perkness. All right, so I'm sitting here with Miss Ashley Perkness after the first two men's basketball games. Ashley, first of all, a usual happy Monday. How are we doing so far today? Doing okay. Good, glad to hear. So, obviously the season started. Um, 0-2 right now, but, you know, some good non-conference competition for the first time in I can't remember how many years. Um, Tuesday at Missouri, it was a 78-68 Central Michigan loss. Pole within two at one point. And it'd be a 10-point game, but just what were your thoughts on that one? I think they did great. I think they stuck with them for the most part, and – uh, I think they really proved to people that 
it, with some work, they can, they're in this competition. Gotcha. So who kind of stood out on that one? I think Jermaine Jackson, he's been, I think he's been doing very well. Um, Oscar Lopez, um, he's also stuck out to me as well. Right on. Then Saturday's game. They're playing the they're playing kind of more your neck of the woods at the Paul in Chicago. Um, yes. Tight game first half, second half, not as much. Ninety nine sixty six final there. What what seem to doing well in the first half, and then just what kind of triggered that kind of second half response? The first half, I think I thought they were they were attacking and they're competing with them very well. You know, uh, DePaul kind of took lead in the first half, um, but then Central they they fought back. They caught up to them and then throughout the rest of the half it was a very back and forth game so I thought that they were right there with DePaul but then in the second half they kind of just they let it go it was 41-38 game and a half uh DePaul outscored CMU 58-20 in the second half what happened that second half offensively for CMU I think they I don't know if they got tired but it kind of seemed like from my point of view they kind of just like gave up they kind of just, DePaul took it kind of far, and they were like, okay, well, like, this is it. They didn't really fight back. They didn't, it wasn't the same team as it was in the first half. They weren't competing as much. Gotcha. Looks like it's Paul stats right now. Uh, CMU finished with 26 points in the paint. DePaul had 48. Uh, DePaul had 18 points off the bench. CMU had 26. So it looks like the depth is there, but. Yeah. So we're talking now. Uh, this, they were talking. It's going to be Eastern Illinois game at 8 o'clock. Uh, you catch that on ESPN Plus or catching the CMU Sports Radio Networks. Um, Eastern Illinois, this could be the third straight on the road away from McGurk at a 7. So yep. the, the fact you mentioned fatigue with that DePaul game, two days later you're on a bus. You're not yeah. even back in your own bed. What do you expect out of this game here? Fun fact, actually. I was going to go to Eastern Illinois. Hey. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be tough, especially because Eastern, this is their home opener. So they're going to probably have a good crowd there. Um, and they have some height on them. I was looking at the roster and there's some tall guys. So I think they're def- definitely going to be a good competition and they're definitely going to have to keep up the uh, momentum that they have like in the first half into the second half. Gotcha. Then one guy that kind of caught my eye on the stat sheet from Saturday's game was Andre Polk. Led team yeah. fifteen points. I did get chance. I didn't get a chance to watch him a lot last year because I think I saw one game he played against Western, and then he got hurt for the rest of the season, but still earned All Mac freshman honors. Um, Tony Barbie kind of mentioned that's the guy that like has to put in the work, has to put in the effort, because that's a guy that you know if if he puts in the effort, work, especially the weight room bulks up to about two forty two fifty, the skill set he has, he could be just a major force. But yeah. what? Do you just what was it about Andre's game on Saturday that worked so well for him? I think he kind of like you know he's one of the returning players from last year. There's not a lot, so I think he's kind of taking that lead through that game um, on Saturday. So I think uh, him taking that lead, he kind of like is giving those new like the new players something to like look up to, kind of like leading the team into the way they should be playing. Right on. And then uh, any last thoughts about this team before we sign up for this segment? Obviously, we got Eastern Illinois to this for this week, but then obviously going walking in, the guy Gonzaga and Bellarmine. Yeah. I guess we could talk about that because that's going to line, line up weird with our schedule from mm-hmm. Bowl. But obviously, Gonzaga, I think enough said. 
about that program, the way it's gone the past uh, past about decade or two with Coach Few there, and then sure. then Bellarmine the next day as they're in Vegas. But just what are you, obviously I think asking them to beat Gonzaga is going to be way too much to ask out of this team. Mm-hmm. But it's not asking too much to hang around with them. No, yeah. Especially with Bellarmine. Mm-hmm. This this whole like this whole tournament stretch for like the good same Empire Classic, that whole tournament will be a success for this team if they do what? I think if they play the whole game. I think something that I noticed was they start out strong but they kinda just lose it. I think they need to be a not only a first half team but also a second half. They need to tie in what they're doing, what great things they're doing in the first half into the second half. Right on. Any last thoughts about this team before we sign up for the week? Nope. All right, that's Miss Ashley Brenner's talking some men's CMU hoops. Ashley, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, CMU men's basketball now one and two in the season. Next game, eleven p.m. against Gonzaga. Should be a should be a fun game to watch to say the least. After just seeing what uh, how they adjusted the past couple games, see how it goes. But as always, we save football talk for last. Let's get to our little chit chat with staff reporter Christian Boer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this last segment of the show, you know what that means. We're talking football. And for one more week over the Zoom, as he's getting, as he's just about ready to put the nail in the coffin to his little sniffles, it's Mr. Christian Boer. Christian, how are we doing today? Well, I'm getting a little stir crazy, to be completely honest with you. Um, but hey, we're over the hill now and uh, good to go. So excited to see where this thing goes in terms of football. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot more of what happens. Uh, you know, you never want to uh, worry about external factors and you want to be able to control what you can control. But for Central Michigan, you know, obviously you got to keep winning, but you got to get some help too on the outside. So going to be interesting to see how it all goes down. Absolutely. Uh, before we get too far, again, we talked about this last week, my whole Mac West prediction. I'm one field goal away from calling the West about perfectly right now. I'd say you're like one point off. Exactly. Just one kick, that one NAU kick. But uh, we'll get there in a little bit. But CMU against Kent State, we kind of figured fireworks would explode. And um, I was right when I said the first team to 50 was going to win, wasn't I? Yeah, I guess. Jeez. And, uh, and uh, Kent State's defense um, wasn't quite up to par with the offense. Not at all. Not at all. They were really bad. But. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to ask you this honestly, Christian. Did you expect this kind of result in that game last week? No, not at all. Um, and, and really the thing that stood out to me the most was Central Michigan secondary. They were awesome. They were so good on Wednesday night. I keep wanting to say Saturday, uh, but it was on a Wednesday. And, um, no, they were awesome. I thought Dante Kent was really good. And uh, Rulian Sturkey, who started out as a safety, has taken on that corner number two role and uh, played really well. So, to me, that was the big uh, jumping off point, you could say. Yeah, I know you and I have been talking about, oh, secondary needs to improve, secondary needs to improve, secondary needs to improve. That secondary is there now, I feel. Yes. It has. Dante Kent's coming to his own, like and Sturkey, you mentioned too. Um, just that whole team, I feel, is finally coming to its own. Like, I know back in July, uh, Coach Mack kind of mentioned, you know, he likes his pieces, but, you know, it's about them, about coming together. And, Honestly, 
I think those pieces are basically gelled as of right now. No, absolutely. I think they've become a lot more cohesive. I think this is what McElwain was hoping to get early on in the year. I think this is what he was hoping to see coming out of non-conference play, and the, the pieces just didn't quite fit together up until I think that Western Michigan game really um, was when you started to see it all kind of come together. Um, the one thing I will say is, and this is, this might be kind of a hot take, but you're getting a lot of these guys back next year. This is a team that could be picked first in the preseason poll next year in the MAC West. I, and I will stand by that. I think this is a team that, you know, you look at what everybody's going to bring back. You've got some draft eligible guys who could stay, could leave. I think, you know, Khalil Pimpleton's a big one. I think this is like, if he comes back, he'd be like a sixth year senior with COVID and his transfer red shirt and stuff like that. But this is a squad that if the majority of these pieces stick together, what you're losing, you know, you're losing, I think the big ones are Lonzo McCoy, uh, probably Bernard Raymond, uh, Ja'Cory Sullivan, but the majority of this team's nucleus is going to be back next year. And, you know, if everybody decides to stick around, this is a squad that could be the number one team in the MAC preseason next year. Yeah, I'm just going to shoot straight, too. Um, if Raymond stays, I mean, all the, if basically, if nobody leaves the draft and everybody graduates, graduates, and the staff stays put, too, this is, I mean, I'm with you on this one. Like, this could be a team that I think you could see shades of what you saw at Western in 2016. I'm not going to lie to you right now. Yeah. No, no, I understand probably a non-conference next year is going to be brutal. Yeah. I'm not quite sure it's on that one. But, you know, we've talked about football about five minutes, and we have not talked about sweet lose game. Yeah, geez. Good grief. They just pound the rock out. I'm pretty, I'm, you know what, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. In that segue, he's had two carries for these six yards. Yeah, no doubt. He buried the Kent State defense like we kind of buried the lead with that one. Um, shoulder down, just straight through him. And he, and you know, the run for me that epitomized his game was that third touchdown that he had where he just ran right straight through that Kent State defender's chest, man. I'm talking shoulder right between the shoulders of that defender, just boom, right through him. He's a tough cat. I mean, you know, you kind of see shades of maybe – I don't know, last year you kind of saw where him and Kobe Lewis were kind of like that thunder and lightning. Um, and Lou is by no means a guy that's going to blow you away around the edge, but he, you know, if there's a defender in his way, he's going to run through him. That dude is fearless and he runs hard and he's been everything Central Michigan's needed and more this year. Is it kind of scary that, you know, we'll get, you know, if granted, you know, he has, you know, Lou is draft eligible, but if Kobe comes back 100%, they still have two, at least two years of that tandem. That yeah, back. that's going to be crazy. That's going to be crazy. Gosh. Man. Okay, so let's talk about this Ball State game. Obviously, first of all, a PSA, ball is not a state. But second of all, um, coming off their third loss in the MAC, tight one at NIU. Uh, I caught, I was able to catch the very end of that off my phone in the press box on Wednesday. Um, we may get – Depending how this week goes, we may need to officially start calling NAU the team of destiny with all these close wins. Yeah, no, I I said that after the whole Central thing went down. I mean, when have we ever seen an ending like that? I mean, dating back to maybe Tony Romo in the playoff game when he dropped the snap. I mean, you just don't see that year in and year out, and you're going to say, well, oh, match and this, match and that. Still, though, I mean, that's way too crazy. That's the way that Central Michigan Northern Illinois game ended is just downright absurd. And and that is team of destiny type stuff. And 
but you know, you make your own luck. And and obviously Northern Illinois is not in that position uh, for that to happen if they don't play such a good second half. But going back to Ball State, um, wanted to touch on this is, I mean, to me, you know, we talk about what Central Michigan could be this year. That's what Ball State was supposed to be this year with everything they brought back. And uh, to me, they've been the biggest disappointment. I mean, this is not a team that should have three losses in the MAC with two games to play. Uh, Drew Plitt is, was one of the best quarterbacks in the group of five last year, I would say. Um, if not the best quarterback in the MAC, certainly one of the best. Um, and he just, I mean, he, I don't know what it is because he's put up good numbers. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just hasn't been what they've needed it to be. And, you know, I think they're kind of figuring out what they want to be. And, um, you know, Jim McElwain talked about last game, last year's game against Ball State, which the Cardinals took it to him, uh, giving him nightmares. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Chippewas respond this time around. Yeah, I, I think the outcome is going to be different. So as we get to that, let's talk about this match, because, you know, we're fun like this in this podcast. Six games. We actually got a Saturday game, weirdly enough, this week. I don't know how they managed that. Uh, let's go over two Tuesday games first. Ohio hosting Toledo. Toledo's seven-point favorite in Athens. Who do you got? Uh, the Bobcats, outright. Um, you said it yourself last week. Ohio was going to find itself. Uh, beat Eastern Michigan by eight. Uh, Transit uh, Property says the Bobcats um, are the easy money. I think seven is – way too many in a game like this. Toledo's still figuring it out with uh, Dequan Finn. They did have a big game against Bowling Green, but this is prime uh, letdown spot. You know, Ohio's um, Peden Stadium is going to be jumping um, with the new momentum that they found on our coach, Tim Alban. And and this seems like a game that can be kind of that, you know, um, jumping off point to where they can get some momentum heading into next year. Yeah, give me um... – Give me Ohio to cover, but give me Toledo to win. I think Ohio <clears> – man, I've got a bit of a iffy throat right now. Uh, allergies are fun. Uh, give me Ohio to cover, but give me Toledo to win a tight one. Um, I can – I'll probably argue that I don't think Ohio's at least seen a crazy athletic quarterback like Daquan Finn, um, especially looking at the roster, the teams they've played. I don't see maybe Dustin Crum is the only one really true like athletic quarterback you've seen so far, but you know I think Daquan will get them at least to a field goal game in my opinion. So Ohio covers the spread, but I think Toledo wins against bowl eligible. So sticking in the West, uh, we're going back to the directional schools: Eastern Michigan hosting Western Michigan. Broncos favored by five and a half in Ypsilanti. Both teams are both eligible, but I think this game means a little more to Western than it does to Eastern. Who yeah. do you guess? Give me the Broncos. Uh, this is a team that has so much potential, and they've just been so up and down. I think in a rivalry game like this, I think they uh, exercise the demons. And, I mean, you know, while we're on this topic, let's let's at least touch on the Michigan Mac trophy. I mean, Central Michigan has a chance to win that thing for the first time since – what was it, 2017 when they won the Michigan Mac Trophy? Probably, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, so they would need a Western Michigan win here to win it outright. Um, and, or, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point because they still have to play Eastern. But still, I think give me the Broncos in this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, give me Caleb Elby. I think he throws two touchdowns to Sky Moore on, uh, in this matchup. Yeah, given the Eagles here, um, I think since – 
since that, since the second half struggles started against Ball State and after that loss to, to Central, I think the team has been kind of dead in the water. I think uh, I think the deep coordinator, Louis Pizzito, I think is his name at Western. I think so. That man is um, that man that man's seat is getting nuclear hot right now after the Akron game, and after Central absolutely bullied them in the second half, and after Toledo bullied them in the second half, and after Ball State bullied them in the final twenty minutes. Guess what Eastern Michigan is going to do in the second half to Western Michigan? They're going to bully them around. Give me Eastern by a touchdown, easy. I don't know. I don't get why Western is favored in this game entirely. To be totally honest with you, I think Vegas still bites on the whole Pittsburgh turnout. But what I saw last week against Akron and what I saw against us just points to me that Eastern's going to have no problem on offense with this team. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think the over hits, but give me the Eagles here. And I think it's easy. Um, Miami of Ohio hosting Bowling Green. The uh, the Red Hawks favored by 17 against the Falcons. Oof. Who do you like here, bud? Uh, give me Miami. I don't know. I just I think they've been so up and down, uh, playing for their lives, kind of heading into next week. Um, but no, I think Miami has all the pieces, and uh, I think that they win this football game. Miami wins, but I don't like any MAC team favored by seventeen points this season. Yeah. So give me Miami's gonna win outright, but get me give me Miami by a touchdown. For some reason, Bowling Green tends to cover better on the road as opposed to home. I don't get it. I mean, the only game on the road they haven't covered was Toledo last week. So give me obviously Miami's gonna win, but give me Bowling Green to cover. We'll talk about the Saturday game right now. Kent State traveling to Akron. Kent State by 13 after their defense, I think, is still looking at wounds and trying to cover all up with duct tape right now. Um, who are you liking this one? Kent State. I think this is a get-right game. I mean, I, I usually have one get-right game a week, and I think this is the one. Uh, Kent State's defense facing an Akron offense that, yeah, they can hang, but they can't ever make the play to win it, so – uh, I like Kent State. Uh, the 13 and a half is a little much. Uh, might take the Zips to cover, uh, but Kent State wins this one outright. Yeah, I think Kent State wins, but it's one possession. I think what we saw last week on the road with Akron, they're going to come at you. They uh, they don't care anything right now. Like they're just they're just playing just to have fun at this point. And again, I'm going to mention this. This is, this is the most dangerous team you can play right now because this team has nothing to lose. So I think Kent State is going to pull away because I don't think Akron is going to match that offense for all 60 minutes. I think over hits here, but I think Kent State wins. Not going to cover, but Kent State gets the win. Let me get to the Wednesday slate. The one game I think everybody in Mount Pleasant is going to keep their eyes on like crazy. NIU goes the distance to travel to Buffalo, take on the Bulls. NIU favored by a point and a half. I think Vegas is catching on with the close games with them. Christian, if Chippewa fans are pulling for the Bulls here, because a win here basically locks up the West for NIU. But what is your honest prediction here? Well, I mean, it's all aboard the Molinguist train, isn't it? I mean, come on, he – He's got to have something up his sleeve, right? This is a Buffalo team that still has a majority of the pieces um, necessary to make a run in the MAC East. And you know what? At home, 
I like the Bulls. Give me the Bulls by a field goal. Um, let's see the Huskies get a taste of their own medicine in this one um, and make that Friday before Thanksgiving all the more interesting. Yeah, so uh, the Red Cross is going to be that is going to be that game because this is going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> this is going to be a, just a slug fight for sixty minutes. NIU's get NIU can throw haymakers, but I'll tell you what I don't think I don't think all the Moline was teams will back down from this challenge. I think NIU gets the win here. I hate it. I am the I am one of the most optimistic people you will meet. I wouldn't shock me about Buffalo pull this out because you know you travel nine 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 hours on the bus midweek. It wouldn't shock me if Rocky Lombardi had came out flat. But I think ah, just give me NIU here. It's gonna be within two points. It wouldn't shock me if Buffalo somehow covered the spread. They <laughs> went by they went by safety last second or something weird. But I think ah, part of me really hopes that. And he gets a loss here, so team stays alive in the Mac West. But give me the Huskies here. I am having a hard time betting against Thomas Hammock's squad right now. Well, and the one thing that it very well could be you mentioned them losing but covering the spread. Um, Mo Linguist, I can just see it uh, be like 28 27 or something because the Bulls go for two to try and win it and uh, don't get it. That would make a ton of sense. That's not that's honestly how I feel this game is going to go. And then finally. Central Michigan against Ball. I still don't get how in the bloody hell they are a state. Christian, CMU walks in favored. Sorry, Ball State's favored by two. Yeah, it was three at the start of the – it was three on Sunday. I say the start of the week. Like the game's not – well, when this records, it'll be tomorrow. Um, You know, I just find it super interesting. Uh, This is a game that really, you know, it's – Central Michigan coming in riding high. Ball State uh, coming in with essentially nothing to play for now. I mean, with three losses and the tiebreaker, they're out. Um, but you know what? Something tells me that this this just screams letdown game. This just screams to me a game that Central Michigan should win and that they can win, but I just don't think they win it. I think they lose 34-27. Um, in a game that's very similar to the Miami of Ohio game to open conference play where they start off slow. And, you know, the last two games, they've come back from down 14, zero. Uh, I just don't think they've got a third straight comeback in them. If they start off slow and ball state's going to be playing at home on national TV. Um, so give me ball state 34, 27 in this one. So I've noticed with Mike news teams with ball state that they play central really tough, really tight. I mentioned in both our preseason predictions and on my picks for the last four that this game is going to come to the leg of Marshall Meter. I am 101% standing by that. Central Michigan gets in a dogfight. This is not – for those Central Michigan fans with high blood pressure, please make sure you take your medication for this game because it's going to spike like crazy. This is going to move like a roller coaster. I think Central Michigan squeaks it out 28-26. I'm sorry, no, wait, let's see, try again. 31-28. This guy be game winning field goal somehow. So I think Meter and the Meter, Lama, and Elzinga all kind of exercise those demons from the NIU game. They win this last second field goal. And then after that, I'll go from there. But Christian, as we wrap things up, I think I'll see you again at your chest before we sign off for the week. No, sir.
All right. So for all of us here at Such Michigan Life, for Sean Chase, for Miss Ashley Perkins, for Noah Wolbrook, for Christian Boer, I'm sports editor Mitch Fosberg. Chip boy fans, be safe.